Welcome in the Washington Football Crunch. I am Micah Chen. I'm joined by, as always, Luke Monger of Dogman and Jackson Garner of Kook Fan. So, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but this past week, every single local college team did not win. That yes, no, I did That's notice fair. that. <laughs> <Isn't> that <laughs> True. <laughs> WSU didn't win. That was bit, well. To be fair, WSU didn't play. But I know they didn't win. Yeah. Um, Central didn't win, and UW didn't win, and that just gave me a weird feeling. So I just decided, you know, what the heck? I'm I'm gonna see the last time that this happened. Uh, you know that all four oh schools didn't wow. win. You actually did did the research for this. That's yeah. Uh, yeah you must just, have. Uh, do you, how deep? I mean, well, I guess you're about to say, but how long ago goodness, was it? You, probably a l- little while. Yeah, it was. I went back a few years. Um, it was September fifth, two thousand fifteen, and can you guys Jeez. recall who UW and WSU lost to September, on September? Wait, can you can you repeat? Two thousand fifteen. Okay. Okay. Yes. I bet you. Yeah. I do know. So September fifth, two thousand fifteen, would have been my freshman year. Uh, so the Huskies I know who had just played Boise State. To. Wait, right? Yeah, it was a, lo- a loss to Boise State, sixteen to thirteen. Wasn't that? Wait, that was uh, UW's loss. That was uh, WSU's loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah UW's I, loss. Yeah, yeah UW's U- loss oh, to Boise shit. State. Oh shit! I thought. Oh no, I'm thinking they lost to Boise State in twenty sixteen, didn't they? Probably. <laughs> oh shoot! Because I was gonna say Boise State. I thought I was. <laughs> confusing games uh i'll tell you what 2015 okay horrific, horrific they went upset. eight and four is that horrifying that's not eastern because eastern was 2016 no, that was as 2016, well and that wasn't the first game um oh september 5th was that portland state yep yep portland state 24 17 oh for some reason so, that sounds that's weird because i would have thought week one would have been still in august but week no, one was in september some, sometimes the first huh, i thought that was week uh, two that's probably uh well, so yeah, because that would imply week one is like August thirtieth. Sometimes, yeah. like you know, depending on what day Saturday falls on. Uh, September actually that was September. Uh, yeah, September fifth. Uh, Utah beat Boise State on September fourth, and Central lost to Colorado State Pueblo forty one fourteen. Eastern lost to Oregon sixty one forty two. So between September fifth two thousand fifteen and October seventh two thousand nineteen, at least one of those four schools have won like every single week. That's it. I almost thought it would have been longer. I agree. And you know what? If I had gone back even further, it probably would have been like once in the last decade. You know, something like that. Like if you Yeah, are- no, I don't think so. I probably I I was kind of thinking like 2012, 2013, like still some of the early years for Leech. But then again, all it takes is Eastern, Eastern to win every single yeah, game. <laughs> Eastern, yeah. I was gonna say Eastern was really good at that time. Yes, then maybe yes. the, my second time period I was thinking was like maybe back to like two thousand eight nine around there but also eastern was still really good then yeah too. now obviously not the level that they got this decade uh do you guys remember back in september 2017 this was kind of like the peak of you know like our our era you know our generation every single school and even whitworth is ranked top 10 in the country whatever oh Ooh, whatever yes okay yes FCS, yes yes big, you know yeah so wait was wsu top 10 that was 2018 2017 2017 yep oh after after the after like sc yeah yeah because they were top 10 for a minute after that and now you look around you know eastern's season is unraveling they lost to sacramento state this past weekend um central's all but done wsu is uh still has that fighting cougar spirit (laughs) but (laughs) yeah spiraling right now uh and then um and uw side fans are fiercely upset with chris pearson and the staff and Chico, <laughs> I mean, it's really surreal. Yes. It's it's surreal to see. I don't know if you guys like feel the same way. Like, I feel a little off right now. 
Well, Luke, I'll, uh, let you, I'll let you go. Yeah, I mean, for some reason, I don't know what the deal is. Maybe it's just like I, almost like a, a, a been there, done that disappointingness <laughs> feel about it. But it's the Huskies picked up their second loss in the Bay last year, you know? Yeah. Uh, and they ended up going to the Rose Bowl. Not that I think they'll end up going to the Rose Bowl this year, but like, does it suck? Yes. Uh, is it disappointing? Of course. Is it like surprising that this is kind of a down year for the Huskies when they lost eight starters on defense, Jake Browning and Miles Gaskin? Not really, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. I, you know, I, I guess if anything else, I'm, I'm curious to see, like, this year feels like it could be what is the floor of the Chris Peterson era. So what is that going to be? <laughs> is it going to be like nine and three, eight and four? Mm-hmm. Probably not playing for a conference championship. Uh, but are they close? I, who knows? You like know? looking, at the, looking at the Pac-12 yeah, I saw a tweet. Right now? I saw a tweet that was like a very realistic algorithm predicting oh, this outcome yeah, for the North or for the Pac-12. Right? Yeah. It is like five and four, five and four, five and four, yeah. four, <laughs> four, five, four, four, and five. Yeah, yeah that, that was Kyle Bonagura. I, I also appreciated that one. That was funny. Yeah, but also too close to home at the same. You talk time. about like yeah. you know how low can this like can Coach Peterson you know end up this season? Um, and regularly. Fans are saying, like, you know, how lucky are we? You know, if I had a son, I'd want to play for Coach Peterson. Yeah, that's a little personal, but that's that's kind of been the the mindset, you know, in the preseason and years past. And has when, any of that changed? Well, no, or maybe maybe maybe, ha- maybe it has, but should it have changed? There's like a systematic issue at play right now, like something like some underlying psychological issue with how they, you know, uh, rotate players or not rotate players. Uh, where would you kind of categorize that, Luke, like, as far as your concern? I don't know. I mean, I, like, obviously, I think the big frustration just in terms of personnel thing is, like, what's going on at receiver. Like, clearly, it's just it's just not working with Chico, Andre, and uh, Aaron right now. Chico, Andre, but yes. <laughs> it, like, it doesn't, like... I don't know, but like, and obviously, I'm like, I'm a fan of all three of them. But Aaron's had his, like, Aaron had a couple drops against Stanford. Yeah, he had a say, few against don't, Cal. Don't leave Aaron out of it too much. <laughs> yeah, like it's kind of been all of them. So, and then it's just like, so what's the deal there, right? And maybe, like, I think one explanation is the Huskies are maybe like experiencing a lag um, from. I mean, like, what's the only position? group on the staff that's really seen like consistent turnover and that's the receivers coach right yeah uh brent peace got fired matt lubick mutually parted ways with the huskies right so Mm -hmm. like not great recruiting uh perhaps not like up to the standard of coaching they're expecting and then like it's not going to get fixed overnight that said uh like i understand people's frustrations like why not give like pukanakua a chance or, or something like that. If, like, I don't know. I, I think it would be one thing if uh, just Jacob Beeson were out there airmailing passes and things like that. Um, and I don't think Jacob Beeson obviously played his best game against Stanford, but Hunter Bryant dropped a ball at the sticks on consecutive plays. Uh, in the fourth quarter, Aaron dropped a few passes as well uh, on kind of do or die drives. And it's like, okay, if that's happening... Like, what is it, like, Coach Peterson, I think he said something about Pukunakua, like, like as he starts to pick things up more, we'll get him out there more. Like, what is it that he hasn't picked up yet? And, yeah. like, why, and then you start to wonder why. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. You see Mar- Marcus Spiker getting almost no playing time. Yes. It's like, like, why, so what is it that they haven't picked up, and why 
haven't they been Weren't able to pick it up? I think well, well Osborne? <laughs> no, I think there are, there, there were. are two. There are kind of like two sides of this. There's the one side that comes from a very logical concern that you're kind of addressing right now in that you know some of these guys are not getting the job done. So at, at what point when do you go to the next option? That's a totally legitimate question to answer. Yeah. But you also mentioned that some fans are kind of asking these questions like where is Pukunakua? Where like but I I feel some of that comes from just the sense that this game, like we're losing right now, and, and in a sense of desperation, try something different. It's like there's the Huskies are still in like some same with WSU. Like everyone is still well within the shot of winning the North right now. Like for anyone who thinks like this is just a well abandoned ship, we might as well get the young guys in right now because we're not yeah. going go to go to we're not going to go to you know the national championship like slow your horses a little bit like you're still well within grasp of a, a Pac-12 or a bid to the Pac-12 championship game like you know you got you still got to play Oregon Oregon you know for the most part looks fairly mortal you know so I, I just think yes. that a lot of overreaction from that sense from that sense of desperation but to your point that you were making mostly yeah there is legitimate there's a legitimate question to ask like all right when do you see the next person get their shot if the people on the field right now aren't getting the job done they got to get it done in practice yeah they they, some, they somehow have to impress the coaching well, staff and yeah i think the other thing about it is like you see Kyler Gordon Cameron Williams and uh Trent McDuffie essentially all all three starting in the secondary as true freshmen right and then mm-hmm. on offense you see Richard Newton a redshirt freshman running back getting extensive playing time. So it's not like this staff is like just like has this huge seniority complex where they refuse to play a freshman. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, Would what is it that's the miss like, like that's missing there? Because with the linebacker corp, there hasn't been any real public support at all for Kyler Manu and Brandon Wellington. No. Uh, and people are saying like, it's charity work, you know, they're seniors, so they should get the first. Well, chance. So here's the thing about that, though. I mean, so th- then I-, I guess the options that you have after that. Jackson Sermon. Jackson Sermon, who, I mean, it, obviously redshirt freshman, second year in the program, but he was hurt his whole senior year of high school, uh, perhaps carried over into his freshman. So it's like there's a guy, not a ton of experience. Um, and then, like, I don't know what what the deal with MJ Tafisi, or I don't think there's anything standing out that, like, prevents MJ Tafisi from getting playing time. I, I guess what I'm trying to say here is I don't think that they have a better option. Yeah. You know? I mean, if you if you are seriously considering that senior players are playing because it's charity, like, you've got to get a reality check. Like, perhaps there's a, there's a, there's a possibility that within – UW, they are concerned about their depth at linebacker. They have serious concerns that they don't think they have adequate uh, adequate linebackers. That may be a legitimate concern. But to suggest that they're just saying, "Oh, well, they're the seniors; they should play." They you paid know, their dues. That is it's just their time. that is lousy. That is, and I mean, yeah, no, no one even in high school does that. That's not a valid valid argument. Any uh any interest in just uh you know having a new identity like maybe make Richard Newton the workhorse, you know Savon Ahmed's averaging like six point four yards per carry for his career. It's it, it, you know it looked like they, they they turned almost exclusively to Richard Newton against Stanford, but then he ended up uh, getting hurt, and I guess there hasn't really been any news about 
or nothing that I've heard necessarily about the severity yet. Um, however, I mean, it's not running the ball that's the issue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not. And, and you don't just change your identity because you simply want to change your identity. You change that because out of necessity, that something yeah. else is working and you need to start going to that and you need to start making that your identity. That's not the case with what's happening in Washington. Like, there's no need to change your identity. For the most part, what their identity is has been working. Strong defense, a great run game. But there, you know, you still have to be able to pass the ball, and you'd expect better results with the with what the individual talent you have, you know. And it is just putting that yeah. together, but it, it hasn't happened yet. So I mean, what, yeah, I'd say the other thing that that's interesting is, I mean, what what it just feels like is like I I just think to kind of sum up what's going on at Washington right now is like you 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 miss. So, so obviously, I mean, the problem areas right now, or at least the pressure points for Husky fans right now, are on offense, pass catchers, on defense, basically the front seven, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like at receiver, we had that coaching thing we talked about, and then on the defensive side, you have misses on guys like Marlon Toy Pelodu, who is committed to UW and then flipped to USC, mm-hmm. and then Ale Kaho, who enrolled at UW, but then flipped no, to Alabama, Alabama afterwards, right? Yeah, exactly. And then you have uh, Camillo Eifler, who was on the Huskies and then transferred to Illinois, right? And it's just like little misses. Like, oh, Ollie Gay from uh, from Edmonds Woodway High School uh, committed to UW, signed his LOI, but never actually made it into UW, right? So it's just like little misses like that. I don't know. They and add up. Like, they you add just up. Can't, exactly. They do add up, right? And yeah. the, you have to be solid everywhere to win. And if you miss on two classes in a row on a position group, everything else can be great. Like you can have the best talent at quarterback you've had since Jake Locker. And I don't know. I mean, it one of the best yeah. offensive lines can't in the country the and a pretty <laughs> darn solid like defense. Yeah, pretty solid, or I guess, defensive backfield. But yeah, you can't stop the run. And uh, when you're in a pinch and you need to move the sticks on like third and long and you have receivers who are struggling to get open and then actually haul passes in, it, it can get ugly, you know? So it's unfortunate. Yeah. They're not they're not invincible and they won't be until they start to put together classes that are consistent across the board, which obviously th- there are some kind of freak accidents that happened, uh, mm-hmm. but there are also just some straight up misses in very few programs, haul in top talent across the board every single class in those town or in those teams are in the college football playoff every year. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I will say to, to sum up the dreary note that the state of Washington is on with a much different perspective. Actually, I, I am quite indifferent to all of it. And I will say if you find yourself becoming too emotionally invested that you can't show up you cannot be performing at work on monday because of a loss on saturday i would recommend to write about sports because when you start writing about sports immediately i'm talking about in the span of weeks you will not care about results anymore and it (laughs) is absolutely liberating i tell you it is liberating yes you just simply don't care um (laughs) and that's where i'm at right now you know it's yeah it's uh it happened but you know it's not I my loss. I didn't lose. No, you know? I got my stories in on time, so I can't. I, yeah, you know, it's just yeah. hard to care. 
it, the thing so it part i feel a little empty like i'm not sad or, yeah. or mad at anybody <laughs> yes. it's just like well that sucked i can't believe that happened yeah and then i just loathe like message boards and twitter like uh, th- that's yes. the biggest concern after loss yes. it's just like oh my gosh i really don't want to be on because you really want to be above it all but then there's just something where it's just like how does one think that way and, and that <laughs> and really what it what it comes down to me for is when i see it it's like how does one allow them to become so emotionally attached to one specific moment one bad aspect of a game to completely overreact. And this is where you see people putting Chris Peterson into question, uh, you know, saying WSU season is a complete wrap. I mean, all of this, it's like people have let one instance just completely overwhelm them and, and cause their complete opinion to go south on, on the team that they claim to love. And it's just bewildering to me. I, I don't understand it anymore. And that used to be me. It wasn't that long ago. It wasn't that long yeah. ago where I could cling on to one thing and just completely just melt down over it. But you know, uh, I, I hope Tracy we're growing. Clay's, Tracy yeah. Clay's heard that because, yeah, you allow 100 points in uh, two straight weeks, but uh, you can turn it around pretty quickly here. Well, uh, he can't. <laughs> he won't, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, if he got a job, not at Washington State, maybe he gets a job somewhere else. Not likely in the middle of the season. He wasn't forced out. No, he was not. No, he chose to go. Yeah. He mentions uh, disagreements uh, within the organization. Yeah. Which I didn't think was necessary. If you're going to say goodbye, just say face at that point. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess people were sort of speculating that it was for personal issues or health-related reasons. That's not it. And he, I guess he wanted to clear the air that that was not the case. But I guess it, it's also interesting that Mike Leach tells it tells a very different story that he doesn't really know why because there were not very specific reasons laid out for his resignation. Um, and then he sort of speculated that it was because he felt he was burnt out, something of that nature. And I mean, gosh, I don't know. Maybe giving up 105 points in two weeks will do it to you. But... I mean, it's it's interesting because you have different perspective here and they're saying different things. And it's like, well, is Mike Leach trying to sort of save face saying there isn't that much turmoil in the coach's office? Or is Tracy Clays trying to hide the fact that he is burnt out and he just wants to be done and he wants to not have the pressure of... Did he mention the burnout aspect? Because from what it's been perceived as... There's just a lot of disagreement on personnel, on strategy. No, yeah. A lot of uh, back and forth. He didn't say anything about being burnt out. No, he didn't say anything about that. And and that was entirely Mike Leach's speculation that he was burnt out. So that's all that's based off of. We don't really even know if that's true. And which is why I'm saying it's like, well, it's tough to really... Because, I mean, let's face it. It's not like Mike Leach is known to be entirely truthful all the time he will protect his program and he is totally entitled to that right to do so but it you know it does leave the possibility that he is lying about this particular instance there was in fact some a difference of opinions maybe some in terms tables. of how the defense was being run so <laughs> you know and definitely today when mike leader was talking he did seem excited that there was more energy i mean hoping for his players to kind of feed off the energy of darcel mcbath um which, you know, clearly was not what Tracy Clays brought to the table. Tracy Clays, what Tracy Clays brought to the table was, you know, 
a respected defensive mind. He was much more eyes in the sky, um, you know, he, mm-hmm. you know, observing things and, and not, you know, you know, this is the common terms that used to describe. He wasn't very hands on. That's not what you get in a Rock Bell and Tony and a Dar- Darcel McBath. For me, it's more similar to what uh, Alex Grinch was like. And to be honest, when they first hired Tracy Clays and I first kind of watched how Tracy Clays operated and that he was, you know, just kind of, he was very observant is the way I would describe it. And I I kind of questioned, I was like, how well does this, is this going to actually work going from an Alex Grinch who is so involved in every little detail um, to uh, Tracy Clays who seems to, you know, trust in, and it's not to say that Alex Grinch didn't trust in his staff, but it seems that he has, his work delegated, it was much more organized, it seemed like. And I wondered how that was going to work out. And 2018, I was like, well, shit, I guess I never should have questioned it. <laughs> and then 2019 comes around, and it, it seems like, well, you know, maybe a lack of leadership could probably be an issue. That would definitely be a problem, considering Tracy Clays is up in the box, and he's not on the sidelines kind of uh, injecting any confidence or any energy into his players so I think from this aspect that this is going to be a good uh, a good move for, for WCU moving forward. Maybe perhaps more in the long term. Maybe WCU kind of realized something about themselves that they do need more hands-on guys here. Um, so, you know, that could all be positive for WCU in the long term. Well, yeah, long However, term. in the short term... <laughs> yeah, we need change now. <laughs> yeah, in the short, short term, it could cause problems. Like... Today, you know, Mike Leach was also talking about simplifying the defense, that he thought that they were trying to do too much when, in fact, they just really needed to simple up the game for them, scheme-wise. And that's great to say that, but, in fact, trying to execute it with all these moving pieces, that can be much more difficult than it is to then to just say it. And, and I mean, I, we're, I mean, we're going to find out here on Saturday, but... Who I mean, who knows what what that could mean? So these have been a you know a tough few weeks, and <clears throat> uh, usually we just end up turning to Gardner Minshew to make us happy again. Yeah, because uh, he's, he's the only like uh, like and he kind of had a disappointing week too. Member of the, yeah, he, he he was disappointing. Although he played man, he played pretty well, but the, the result the, the, the final result was, yeah the was final because he I mean, oh, he did God. a good job. He I don't know if you guys caught that game, but he had like. Three opportunities. I mean, granted, they were Hail Mary. Like, you know, it's tough to try and connect on a Hail Mary. But he got, like, yeah. three consecutive opportunities, like, on penalties. I was just penalty, thinking offside magic penalty. this entire time. Every yeah, single you're throw. like, if there's anyone who can complete this Hail Mary, it's Gardner, Gardner Minshew. But yeah. it just, just didn't happen. That moment reminded me of something that would happen, like, when you're playing your buddy in Madden in, like, a close oh, right? game. Yeah. And you get him to jump off sides, and you're like, oh, free play. And it's like, <laughs> okay, it's nothing. And then it's like, oh, defensive holding, we're still alive. And it's like, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. Don't press that Y button, because you're probably going to win the game. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> has that trait, like an Odell Beckham. Oh, yeah. No, seriously, where you just go Brown. up and, like, moss <laughs> everybody. Try, yeah, try and go for the interception. In the new it's Madden, in the new Madden 20, at least in my experience, uh, if you go up to aggressive catch a pass and then get hit in the air, your receiver like does a volleyball step. Like, 
yes, throws it yes. 20 feet in the oh. air and it's like who wants it and it's like yeah. geez it's so ridiculous it's almost it's not so even annoying. worth it's not even all it's almost not even worth doing because the fact that, yeah like, well i think i think they had to correct last year where you could go up and like hurdle a db and yeah. like moss the entire defense when Madden you press 2020, the still still figuring things out a little bit in the early stages we'll give them we'll still give an excellent game yes oh oh i've never had a complaint about the product of matt that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> Been a loyal customer since, gosh, I probably Madden like '03, probably. Been hooked ever since. Yeah, you're a franchise guy yourself, right? Not an oh, ultimate team yes. guy. Yes, yes, absolutely. Huge, huge. Fra- I, I, I do participate a little bit in Ultimate Team, and, and now that we're on the subject, I just have to voice my complaint about about where Madden is going and the and just the philosophical direction that EA is taking the game as a loyal franchise player, which I know you are, Luke. <laughs> I feel yes. that we are being, uh, in a sense, persecuted and, and just being weeded out for this, this loyalty to Madden Ultimate Team <laughs> because at a moment's notice, you can get some kid to pay $10 to get a card. And they just, I mean, I can't even imagine what the profits for Madden Ultimate Team are, but they have to be just through the roof. And that, where does that leave us, though, Luke? Where does that leave you and me, <laughs> the loyal customer who's been here since 2003? Probably, I, well, shoot, they didn't bring in old uh, franchise until much later, probably like 2006, seven, somewhere around there. But still, I mean, it, I feel betrayed. I'm sure you do, too, to a certain extent. That, yeah. that By this point in Madden 2020, there could be so many features and so many nuances of running an NFL organization, and it's just not really there. I know. I like, look what's happening in the NFL now, right? I mean, like, teams moving places. Like, how sweet would it be if you could go, I don't know, be the, like, I don't know, start a franchise in Miami, yeah. move it to, like, South Bend, Indiana, <laughs> compete for Notre Dame's fan base. You know, and just like so, something ridiculous like that. Something that like, obviously it's not a realistic thing, but it's something you'd love to do in a video game. Yeah. And the fact that teams are moving all over the place now, it seems like a great idea. Yeah. And, and I've always fact, been upset. They took that, they took that feature out. That what that used to be a feature. <laughs> that used to be a feature. And they probably took it out to make something else for Madden Ultimate Team, make more money. And again, it just, it, it makes my blood pressure or makes my blood boil is what, yeah. is what ultimately <laughs> what it is. And, you know, I'll still be a lot because I'm always going to be here. I'm always going to pay the $60 and, and I'm never going to yeah, leave. That's true. But <laughs> what do I get for it? You know, just I just think there's nothing the same game. There's nothing that brings more joy to a room of people than something ridiculous happening in a Madden. <laughs> and and for habit to manifest itself over seasons, you know, that is just something that that this new wave of Madden players are just completely out of touch with. They don't understand the glory of of building, of developing, and it's all lost to them. Do you think you're as angry as Jets fans are about their quarterback right now? I mean, when's the last time we saw a quarterback this incompetence? I just think Jets fans are always angry, you know? (laughs) It's just kind of deeply ingrained in the Jets fans' mind to be angry and be frustrated. Like, Like, when when was the last time a Jets fan was not frustrated? I mean, Mark I, Sanchez I, and NS, AFC certain, <laughs> they were they were tremendously frustrated after that. You know, I just feel like you'd have to go back to prior to me being alive to find a time Chad where Jets Pennington. fans were not angry. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, the fact that and, and if you want to complain about Luke Falk, I mean, just go look at that offensive. Like how many times has Luke Falk been sacked since he took over? 
I mean, his head it has, bounces like a basketball. Like, it you know. has to be <laughs> an unbelievable amount of times, and I don't have a number on me, but well, I've, I've caught a few of the games. Because val- at one point in his college career, he was being projected as a first-round level player. And yeah, I think and that, I mean... Val- and it, now, obviously, it died off you know, during his senior yeah. year. But, I mean, you know, Adam Gase, he's been like, Towing this guy around everywhere he's gone now. Like yeah, Tennessee, which it's think. like, where did it go wrong with this evaluation of this guy? I don't know, but what I I love Adam Gase because he just seems to adore Luke Falk. But the only problem with that is it does not seem like the NFL adores Adam Gase. So no. I feel like <laughs> Luke Falk could possibly have his wagon hitched to the wrong guy, and that would be terribly unfortunate if Adam Gase is the only believer in Luke Falk. Which I don't think that's entirely. Isn't he supposed the case. to be a quarterback whisperer, though? He was the quarterback whisperer who brought us Aaron Rodgers. Yes. You know? So who's to say Luke Falk isn't Aaron Rodgers by the transitive property? <laughs> Certainly not me. I won't say it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess when I'm, you know, kind of cutting losses here, I will take one of two WSU quarterbacks succeeding right now. That 50%... It's more than the UW quarterbacks succeeding. Yeah. <laughs> <in the NFL. laughs> yeah. Batting 500 is not a bad average to hit. Um, you know, but again, like Luke Falk, yeah, he's he's had his struggles, but like, look at the overall problem of that Jets team. Like, he, he, there's not a lot for him to work with. And for the most part, I will say this, like, when you think of like, okay, Luke Falk, like backup quarterback for the Jets. What do you want Luke Falk to do? Just get the ball to the playmakers any way you possibly can. He has gotten the ball. He has gotten the ball to Le'Veon Bell every opportunity he's had. So, you know, it's tough to say that like Luke Falk is really doing a whole lot wrong. I mean, yeah, he's thrown some interceptions, but. And he's gotten tough. uh, Yeah, it's it's kind of a a tough situation for him for sure. Well, let's look at our uh, fantasy teams. And it's really coming down to Luke and Jackson right now because uh, mm. and I think Luke might be taking a lead here. Yeah, um, my team. Yeah, my team took a hit this uh, this week. So we'll start with uh, the worst team with uh, Jacob Eason getting ten point two points, Antoine Custer Jr. sixteen point four, Tamara Pierce. You're already better than me. Well, but continue. You didn't score. Mo- okay. Uh, well, Tamara Pierce is now my new starting running back, replacing Ray Green. Uh, with bye weeks and the, op- the option to install new starters. He's still got zero because he still has a torn ACL, but he's in my starting lineup right now. Andrew Boston, 7.2. And- Andre Bocelli, 0.6. He had one catch for one yard. Uh, Jay Scalder, zero points because I had to start Jay Scalder with um, uh, Tay Martin and um, uh, Esau Winston out this week. And Central's mm-hmm. defense got me negative three points, so I got 31 points this week. Yeah, you know, still top me. Uh, <laughs> no obviously. way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, yeah. So, get this. So, <laughs> yeah. So, obviously, I have a WSU. I have a UW WSU heavy team. And I am st- this probably this week. I am realizing the flaw in that because when you get bye weeks, you are going to lose weeks. It just spells trouble. Yeah. So, I think really. And this is just kind oh, of you didn't a get little a analysis. <laughs> just kind of, yeah, kind of overall analysis of where I'm at with this fantasy league. Year four is truly going to be the year that I am entirely prepared for all of the twists and turns that come with this <laughs> yeah, league. That's why I, <laughs> I think I'm finally going to have it figured out, and then I and then I will truly excel. But until then, uh, so this week didn't have an extra quarterback, so take the zero with Anthony <laughs> Gordon being on bye. Uh, did have. 
a backup running back who was in play. Sean McGrew did not do a lot. He got two points. So, and then RB2 uh, was, you know, Clay Markoff and Dio McIntosh. So both of them were on by. So got them out. Aaron Fuller did have a big productive day. Uh, he had 21.6. But then my only other receiver who was eligible was Puka Nakua. He obviously did not play, got a zero. Uh, Hunter Bryant was just laughably ineffective. He had 1.3. And just to to add insult to injury, uh, WCU defense was on by, so I get Eastern to come in, and they, they slap a negative one. <laughs> get this. Get this. Get this. So I'm, you know, I'm looking for the defensive stats for Eastern games. So I look up Eastern on ES, Eastern's game on ESPN. They only have the offensive statistics, like right. So, so fitting of ESPN to just get the offensive stats for the Division One AA game. But anyways, <laughs> yeah. fine. All right, I go to Eastern's website. They go to their to stats. Their stats have not been updated in two weeks. <laughs> they haven't even they haven't updated their stats since they uh, game came into conference play. So. I then I finally, but I did. They did have it available on their like schedule, and then you could go through like box scores. And yeah. guess what? They didn't have any sacks anyway, so it didn't even freaking matter Dang. that I went all through all that effort. And they ended up with negative one because they had uh, two takeaways. For, yeah, that's uh, right. So yeah, points. they lost five plus four. Okay. Lost five plus four, negative one. So twenty three point nine for me. Micah sneaks away with a point. Yep. Yeah. Um, I almost quadrupled Micah. So, nevertheless, what I was going to say, a more dramatic way to start it is I'll start with the bad, right? All right. Here we go. Savan Ahmed, 3.1 points for me. Not a super exciting week. No. Right? Husky defense, surprisingly three points. Um, I, it, like, if that's their floor, I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. You know, if you're no, getting three points, I've, we got a defense, that's great. I've taken negative points for my defense the past three weeks. So, yeah. you know. So the flex situation was an issue because WSU was on bye. So I was essentially choosing between uh, Kamari Pleasant and uh, Austin Osborne. For the sake of argument, let's just say that I played Kamari Pleasant. Zero points. (laughs) (laughs) Right? But what if I told you that those three players combining 6.1 points was just a small part of my nearly 120-point week? Jesus, you you hit 120 this week? Almost. (laughs) So Eric Berrier is the most unbelievable fantasy player of all time. 32.36 points for me. Horrible game. Over 100 on the ground and a touchdown, two touchdowns and 300 yards plus through the air. God damn. Uh, And he fumbled and threw an interception. Yeah, he was Uh, bad. That's amazing. not Not enough to deter his fantasy production. Michael Roots is the best player in the history of fantasy <laughs> football. 200 or 200 plus yards on the ground, yeah. three receptions for 84 yards and a touchdown gives me 36.6 oh, points. Oh my god. Yeah. Jason Williams came to play this afternoon or this weekend. Uh, I, I think it was I'm trying to remember off the top of my head 120 yards and a touchdown with seven receptions. So that's 21.5 points. Tony Archie checked in with two touchdowns for me, so that'll be 22.6 <laughs> points. <laughs> 119.16 points for oh, the team. Jesus. And I deserve all three points. This week. <laughs> <laughs> Your fantasy team is just wrecking this season. Tony Archie and Michael Roots, son of a gun, man. I know. Gosh dang. And to think that I had like 115 points in a loss as well. Luke, question. Are you tracking your scores week by Like, could you name off Eric? No, Harris, but like, I'll, if I took like 20 minutes, I could figure it out, you know? Yeah. Okay. 
We should do that. Yeah, we, we will eventually. I, I won't ask you to do Get that Get those right official now. rankings. Because that, that would be interesting. I, w- I would like to hear how Anthony Gordon has fared up against uh, Mr. Eric Berrier. Eric Berrier. It would actually, it'd probably be pretty close. It'd be fair The thing close. about Eric Berrier is he's giving me steady 30-point weeks. Yeah, but... I mean, Anthony Gordon has also given me a 60 point, almost 60, a 54.8 yeah. Yeah, no, and like a 44.3 and two 30 point performances. So, I mean, like Anthony Gordon, Anthony Gordon's putting up some numbers too, for sure. Well, we are entering week six of the year. And I think the answer for who Central Washington's quarterback has finally been solved. It's going to be Christian Moore going forward. I mean, it has to be. It has to be after this past week. I mean,. I'm How? not going to act like we've been right all along. Yeah. But we have been right all along and all it was only a matter of time, really. I mean, I am I surprised? No, not really. I mean, I'm I'm obviously delighted for Christian Moore that this is this is revelation has finally come to fruition. But was was coach Fisk not listening to the podcast? I was going to say, you let's know? also not say that the central coaching staff didn't consult us. I won't say that they did. Yeah. But, but who's know. to say that they didn't? Did he not listen yeah. to us take a giant shit on his decision to start Gannon Racanelli? Oh, that's that's all we were saying? Hey, you know, again, I'm not I'm not the coach. I don't make the decisions. I'm just saying we were on we are on the right side. We have been right on side. the right side of history. Uh-oh. I need to make an, a, an update. I actually had exactly 119 points. Not Uh, 119.9, because Tony Archie apparently threw three or dropped back to pass three times, (laughs) (laughs) and then he took a nine-yard sack on one of those. So I apologize. Do you lose yardage minus nine? I don't think. I don't think. No, in college football you do. Oh, okay, okay, yes, because it's like a lot. It's like a lateral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you for that. But again, back to the point. Did you get? Did you guys hear? I, I think I told you guys Christian Moore uh, had 352 yards and four touchdowns yeah. in one half and four minutes. So, yeah, I mean, I don't fault Coach Fisk for not listening to us because that would be crazy for him to just listen to fans. <laughs> but I'm also not saying that we weren't right. They and got, we're, look, here we are. Who's who's getting the last laugh? It's easy to say. No, I mean, the coaching staff, they got too cute starting Racanelli over Moore. Um if Moore had started from the very beginning and didn't do well, well, then at least you followed through with your investment, mm. and you know you, you knew what you had. I, you know, honestly, I don't know if I agree with that. It should have been Moore's be job to lose. That's I don't the know they were that they were in. I don't know if I agree with that, and I'll tell you why. Because there could have been a ton that we did not see. That's in practice. That's in fall camp. There could have been a ton that led to that decision. That ultimately led to Cannon Racanelli starting. And as a coaching staff, that is your job to, to assess, evaluate, fall camp, evaluate with, yeah, without bias. biases. Yep. What they did not account for was that we simply took one look at Christian Moore and said, yeah, no, that's the guy. 6'5, 230, basically looks like Riley Hennessy. So essentially, <laughs> they just overthought all of this. They, they put too much stock into their own analysis and they should have taken a step back. And just looked at Christian Moore and said, "Yep, yeah, he's the guy. <laughs> Six four. How much? Yep. No, that's that's the one." And Taking the Washington Huskies approach to their quarterback controversy this <laughs> right? year. Right. I mean, this is a tried and true. <laughs> this is a tried and true formula here. Well, and I mean, well, Russell Wilson. It just wasn't applied. Though, so. Just wasn't applied. I, I, yeah, you know, but there are exceptions to the rule. There are Baker exceptions Mayfield. to the rule. 
But I'm just saying, man, when you have Ben Roethlisberger 2.0 on your sideline, you play him. That's what you do. So going forward, it is going to be Moore's job to lose. But unfortunately, like the best case scenario for their season is to finish maybe 500. Like I personally, like just looking at the rest of their schedule, I go win, loss, 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 win. I mean, they're going to go four and seven. Which makes me believe that scheduling really means everything in Division Two football. Because, you know, you look back in 2017, remember when I was talking about they were top 10 in the country, they were 11-0. Uh, mm-hmm. But the only difference that year is they were playing Simon Fraser twice, they were playing Humboldt State twice, Dixie State, literally every single game. And I mean every single game was a cupcake. Yeah. Now, if they played that same exact schedule again today... They'd probably still go 11-0 and make the playoffs. My final takeaway is schedule cupcakes, win them, and nobody no, will be any no. wiser. Nobody no, will be any no. That is completely counterproductive to what Central Washington is trying to do. And we've talked about this. Central Washington has aspirations to be bigger than what they are. Ultimately, I'm mean, not saying it's close. I'm just saying they would like to advance their football program they've shown commitment to that but they don't that you don't just get far, there not, just as far as making it to the big sky level something like that yes you don't get there by scheduling simon frazier twice a year you don't get there by scheduling a bunch of cupcakes you get there by scheduling big sky teams by scheduling idaho by scheduling eastern washington by playing those games by you know taking those losses early on assessing where you're at, where you need to grow in your program, recruiting properly and, and accordingly, and then you can slowly build. You keep playing these tougher teams until you get to a point where you feel like you can actually, or you're actually competing against these teams and you can make an argument that competitively we can get to the next level. So if you can be, comp- if you competitively there and you can be in terms of budget-wise on the lower side, Maybe you can weasel your way in there, and then the money can sort of take care of itself because you are a Division One AA. Look, you're in the big sky. I'm worried you're recruiting about the retention rate. I'm worried about the retention rate because going four and seven, history says a lot of people quit after that. People have quit. Oh, in yeah. the preseason, people but quit. There, people are quitting regardless. Yeah, the I, guys who are quitting. Every, yeah, the guys who are quitting usually are not the guys contributing. Those are usually guys who are saying. I just don't want to do this anymore. And yes, they could be losing talent that that late bloomers. Those are often the guys who go Division II route are the late bloomers. So they could be losing something on that end. But they're not losing the guys who are actually playing. And if they can continue to develop that, continue to get guys. Because ultimately, how you eliminate people quitting is by getting to the point where you're giving scholarships big enough to the point saying, this is a good investment for you to stick it out to stay in school and get an education. Yeah, well, that money's got to cut. It's got to come from somewhere. It's not coming from donors, and it's not coming. Well, from, it's going to uh, come. It's going to come by getting bigger wins by advancing the program. You get don't you get taking paychecks to, to play those programs too. Yes, exactly. Body bag games, huge. Um, <laughs> they are probably not, they are not in that vicinity yet of you know signing big body bag games, but they would love to be there. And you get there by playing teams and proving that you can compete against better, uh, you know, better divisions. And, you know, you work your way up and you get there. So I think what they're doing right now is totally in line with where they're trying to be at. And yes, they're going to there's going to be bumps in the road. But, you know, let's give them an opportunity to work through. them. Yeah, got to look at the big picture for, uh, you know, program growth stock going up. But in the short term, it sucks. 
because uh, you know one and six start. Um, if you want to make the playoffs, yeah. just just win games. Doesn't matter who you beat. Um, people just look at you know what your record is and they'll mm-hmm. give you a chance. So, all right, well let's get ready to wrap it up. Um, Jackson, uh, you got anything cool coming up with Kook Fan? I know you've been doing this for a little you bit. Know, now. <laughs> yeah, I mean just a lot of the weekly coverage. You know, I, we're going to be talking a ton, uh, and obviously we're going to be talking a ton about how people feel about Bellantoni and McBath taking over. Uh, you know, had an article today about Leach's thoughts about that. Some of what Darcel McBath brings to the table. Uh, uh, you know, he's, he has had this experience before where a defensive coordinator leaves, uh, his program mid season. So I wrote a little bit about that in that article. So there's some stuff there. If you want to check that out and, and you know, just stuff coming from players, other coaches, uh, will be coming later in the week. And, uh, we don't talk a whole lot of high school football on the show. There's just a lot to get through that might change come playoff time. But you can we talk about the notable stuff, you, though. Yeah, I mean, recruiting and... Uh, like Inglemore uh, getting shut out by North Creek. That was... Uh, That's a I don't know. I don't, right I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what happened there. I don't know if North Creek's North program Creek's has great. taken off. North Creek is super underrated. Oh, really? They got the resources. Mm-hmm. They got the athletes. And Inglemore doesn't have a tight end to throw tunnel screens to. <laughs> yeah, right? You know? Wh- yeah, no John Garner just, there anymore. They're so. just never, never going to learn. But uh, anyways... Yeah, you can say Sean McVay learned that tight end screen thing from Inglemore. Think about probably, it. Probably. Like, probably. I bet you somewhere in Sean McVay's coaching tree, he came a lot, came across my film and said, like, wow, wait a minute. <laughs> These Inglemore guys, they know something that everyone else doesn't. Let's let the slower guys run the tunnel screen. Maybe let's see how that works. You know, yeah. that, that could you know, that's a possible avenue we could look at. As long as they're yeah. big enough that people don't really want to hit them very hard. Exactly. Yeah. You know, maybe they're just a little passive going up to him. You know, but hey, yeah. Uh, hey, Luke, are you still enjoying uh, spotting for Tony? I am enjoying spotting for Tony. Uh, I had probably what well, the nice th- part about it is you're in your own little booth. So as long as I'm not making noise, I can kind of be a, a little more animated oh, than yeah. I'm with my body language, which is nice. Mm-hmm. So I had a nice little on that fourth down against USC when uh, 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 number 15 on USC, something London, right, uh, was yeah. targeted in the end zone and Miles Bryant made a pass breakup. I did a nice mm-hmm. little like DB. A, a tiger. Oh, oh, nice. <laughs> you know, just a little. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, it's fun to be up there for sure. <laughs> I, I was I really appreciated how you tried to act out an action on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It, you know, it's the <laughs> same motion in, as safe in baseball, but yeah, it means yeah. it means something different. Inherent, inherently difficult to do in a podcast format. Yes, for yeah. sure. <laughs> All right. So if you guys have any questions or comments for us, please send them over to mikeachanayahoo.com and uh, just leave us uh, your name and uh, we'll give you a mention. So. Uh, also, leave this pod a review on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Micah underscore Chen, at Luke Monger, and at Jackson M. Garner. For myself, Luke and Jackson, we are signing off. Thanks. <laughs>